Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Dressero. And this week we watched the long-awaited Justice League and Justice League Snyder Cut. I thought you were just going to say the long and oh, like, you <laughs> I know what? That was I should have just like describing the, long... the film. <laughs> Justice League um, Snyder Cut. <laughs> what a fucking endeavor! Um, this yeah. I should not have left this for Monday and Tuesday before we record the podcast on Wednesday. Spoiler alert: This is how this happens, everybody. Um, <laughs> and then I had to spend like a couple hours like uh, oh man usually like i try to do my notes the day before but like there were just too many notes because um yeah the first movie is two hours and the second movie is four fucking hours yeah. four True. hour movie two hour movie two completely different vibes we're on the pulse of culture just as a Look heads up us. to the viewership snyder cut just came out i'm sure some of you probably watched it so you're excited to hear what we have to say about it. There will be um, lots of spoilers. So There will be lots of spoilers, yeah. Because you um, value our opinion because we are uh, famous. I don't know. That's, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say, uh, I just watched a video on, oh, because you all have parasocial relationships with us. Ooh, Ooh because we're in your word. ear all the time. Do you know that? What you does what parasocial is? mean? No, tell me. It's, it's like when you like see somebody's stuff so regularly on social media, but you've never met them and you don't know them. You know they exist, but they don't know you exist. So it's like this parasocial relationship where oh, you think I have that a lot you're of those. In, you think <laughs> that you're in their life to some degree, but they literally don't know you exist. So we are that to somebody, maybe I don't know. Maybe um, either know. way. So we, we watched... decided that we were going to huh. do this movie because. One, there's two hours of extra content. So you're like, how the fuck? So, I mean, theoretically, like we had would have seen two hours of the movie already. And then just they would have added two more hours to make that cute little thing. But um, what was so interesting is they are completely different films. And they like they could not feel more different and different in terms of like also even some of like the scenes didn't play out the same way and like they used alternate cuts or like alternate like so a lot of what we talk about on this podcast as you know because you're regular listeners and we love you is choice like there's choice when you decide to do something or remake something or you know so like seeing that there are multiple versions of these scenes and how they go like I know that that that's a thing that happens but seeing how different that can be and then how different that can be depending on the music and the editing and the lighting and the backstories and like the like I'm fucking blown away I went into this thinking I was gonna fucking hate it and I'm so excited to talk well because I I felt the same way I I didn't because obviously like again everything's a choice and in post like as they say the editor is like the third author or whatever um but true truly 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 like you said there are certain scenes that like yeah I already saw this scene but then something else happens you're like wait what (laughs) that wasn't it that that's not how it went so it, it, it is, it changes the entire context. Like for me, I kept thinking of that word as like the context of these characters, the context of a scene. Like in the first one, there's a very particular scene that in my head and in my notes, I wrote terrible acting, terrible directing. This is a poorly written scene. This is a bad scene. This is not good. This doesn't work. The exact same scene, beat for beat, 
line for line is in the next one. But given the context of the last 30 minutes surrounding this character, I'm like, this scene's amazing. I love this scene. It's literally acted exactly the same. Or even the, the same. music, right? Or even the music, yeah. Because like, it takes it from like over the top or like hilarious, like, you know, supposed yeah. to be funny to like actually giving it the weight that it deserves. Like it changed yeah. the whole tone of that scene. Yeah. And I was just like... Ooh. Yeah. I couldn't believe it was the same the same scene, same dialogue. Yeah. Uh, same cuts. I mean, the, the like the visual was a little bit different because of just color and everything, but like overall, it's the exact same scene and I have completely different takes of it b- because of the context. Because think- there is more information that I have given the circumstance and then it's like it validates what's happening in the scene whereas before it didn't have that information. And I think it's just a re- like this is a really good textbook example of of everything that we talk about on this podcast where it's like, you know, choices and choices matter. Just like there are all of these choices and all of these things that go towards like how you are supposed to feel in this moment and how they're guiding the the filmmakers and everybody yeah. involved are guiding you to have the reaction that they want you to have. And you mm-hmm. like there is literally I can't think of a better film to show that as clearly as as these two films. Yeah, I mean, same. I, I guess, again, I like. I was not excited to watch this. I have no stake. And I mean, granted, this isn't like a Marvel DC thing. I couldn't give less of a shit about the Marvel Universe either, generally, as just a, a viewer. Do I like most of their stuff? Absolutely. Did I love WandaVision? 100%. I'm here for a lot of it. However... If it were to be like, well, that's just not happening, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. Let's do something else. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't really read the comics. I'm not like invested in either. But from the DC movies I've seen, I was so not excited to watch these because generally they're not good. Same. <laughs> um, and so just going into this, I, at least with the second one, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with the outcome and how I felt in general about it. I actually felt like, okay, I, I hate. Ben Affleck is Batman. I just want to throw that out there. Um, there's a lot of things like you like you were saying that I don't like about the DC cinematic universe and what they've done or like, you know, to me, it just feels cheap and boring and kind of like there's no substance. But this, uninspired. But like the Snyder Cut actually made me have interest, which is yeah. more than anything like and I liked the original Wonder Woman because I saw it at a perfect time in my life, you know, so I was like, oh, yeah. cool. I'm sure if I go back and look at it through a feminist lens, the whole thing. But but this felt different in a lot of ways. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I mean, really, I'm excited to talk about the second one. This first one. We're just going to shit on this first one. Should yeah, we just do it? Let's get let's it out go, of the way. Let's go burn it. Two years after Superman's death, Bruce Wayne Batman heeds a warning symbol about the coming apocalypse that is to be instigated by Big Baddie Steppenwolf, who, millennia earlier, had failed in his first attempt at destroying the world. Here we go. As Batman begins assembling his team, the mother boxes, big scary game cubes that harness the power of the universe begin screaming for attention, and Steppenwolf comes a-calling. If he can get all three mother boxes and merge them into the unity, the Earth will be terraformed into his home planet and thereby destroyed. Batman clunkily assembles Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Cyborg. But, oh no, Steppenwolf has got a couple of the boxes and they're running out of time. Did somebody say reanimate Superman's corpse? So, they reanimate Superman's corpse with the last mother box and a big old jolt of Flash's lightning. But wait, Superman doesn't remember who he is and starts lasering the Justice League. JK, Lois Lane is here, and now they fly off to a farm. 
For the grand finale, the Justice League find Steppenwolf's big bad lair in Radiation City, Russia, and fight the big bad guy. And they're about to lose? Maybe? Just kidding! Superman shows up and all is right in the world. Thank you, Justice League. Thank you, Justice League. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm really happy I didn't see this movie in theaters. I did, and I only did because one of our friends... Toonie. Hi, Toonie. I love you. Uh, wanted to go see this movie. And we're like, okay, we haven't been in the movie in a minute, whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, this movie. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it was a mess. I mean, to be fair, addressing the general, like, I I mean, I don't want to give Joss Whedon credit because fuck Joss Whedon, but he did step in last minute because Snyder did have to leave, right? With his daughter, sudden death. So there is a level of, like, just put together whatever and, like, throw it out. But, like, honestly, this movie is clunky. It is a clunky clunkster dumpster. It is the clunkiest tinker toy. It's so bad. Like, every scene, like, the opening scene of him fighting that uh, bad guy, and then he's like, this is a symbol. I need to assemble. And you're like, really? <laughs> that's That's... This is the threshold being crossed. This is the call to adventure is the bug's blood on the wall. Then you just say, like, I'm going to go north. And it's like, just go there. What is this scene? This scene means nothing. Just go to him. <laughs> like, Well, and there's, like, this giant, like, fucking ten minutes of Superman is dead and everybody is so, so, so sad. And this and, like, and I was yeah. just like fine like sure but i wasn't like emotionally invested like you're supposed to be emotionally invested with that awful like cell phone video of like yes hey kid you could be whatever and like the premise of the whole world is like lost and doesn't have a hero and can't find its way because superman is gone i felt was the silliest plot line because like there are other heroes there's other like I was also fucking brought out by both of these movies because, like, so Wonder Woman 1977 or 77, whatever it's called, came out. And everybody knows Diana Prince. Everybody knows Wonder Woman because they heard her in their fucking head when they had to, like, you know, rescind their wishes and shit like that. But supposedly nobody knows her. And, like, so I'm just like, wait, so we're crying because... Superman is dead, but you have an Amazonian. You have like you know all of these other heroes, yeah. other people that are in the world. Like well, the that was whole also, thing was just bad. That was also one of the biggest things I think initially, especially for like me. I I did not finish the new Wonder Woman. I didn't see the first one. I've seen very few DC movies generally, and I know almost nothing about the backstory. So going into it, I knew that there's going to be stuff that I don't know, and that I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't know that, so that's a problem. No. Again, context, backstory. I know that they're not going to go over Wonder Woman's backstory or Batman's backstory or Aquaman because they have their own movies and they're assuming that you've seen them. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So with, <laughs> with that in mind, if like you're saying, there is stuff that's already happened, but then we're forgetting that and sort of negating it and moving forward and being like, remember this, don't remember that because this is a new thing and we're pretending this is other thing didn't happen. In my head, making this movie, I was like, the only one in this series who doesn't have a backstory is Cyborg. So in my head, I'm like, spend 40 minutes on Cyborg. Give us his story. Develop his character. This will be his sort of origin story within Justice League. Because we know the other ones. Tell us this person's story. Get to the finale. Cool. And then he can have a spinoff. Whatever. 
But they didn't and, do that. They they ignored his character completely. They had like two scenes where he is mad at his dad for an accident. What accident? I don't know. And then we just move past it and he's like, I'm a monster. And she's like, no, you can help us. And he's like, fuck you. And like flies away. And you're like, I still don't know who you are. Like you're mad at your dad. Okay. He brought you back to life, but okay. So there's a car accident. Cool. But what? Like, I don't, where's the baggage? Where's the anguish? Where's the, where's the tension? Like you're having these dramatic scenes, but there's literally no setup for tension. So it's two people saying words at each other that mean nothing. And now he's like, I'm ready to be a hero. And we're like, I, who are you? Who are and you? And he's like the most interesting character out of all of yes. them in this movie, even though he's only in it for like 10 minutes well, and like five of that he's like in the background for, right? He has some of the best dialogue. He's like, yeah. you know, when he's talking to his dad in that like two minute scene, which should have been, which the, the next film did very well, right? He yes. like, you know, his dad is trying to say like, hey, I saved you. And he's like, no, 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 you lost me. I'm different. I'm modified. I have a language that I don't understand. Like you said monster and did you mean me? Because you are the one that like did this without my consent, without all of this. And I was just like, I need more of this. I need more cyborg. And also the movie is literally set up to center him. Like Mm -hmm. cyborg knows everything. He can hack it. He's the only one who can access the mother cubes. But we don't really know that because they don't talk about it. Because they don't talk about it or tell us until the end when he tries to do it. And it's like, oh, he's obviously the center of this movie. But he's had like two minutes of screen time. But and instead, now we're here to believe that he's like the center. But instead, instead it's, it's just. It's Batman's Justice League. It is. This ba- whole movie is fucking Batman being sad and being like, well, I can't do anything. So and like we we will get into Batman and why he's a boring character, which I used to love growing up because of the animated series. And I recognize that. But like looking at him objectively, I'm like, man, like and everything else after that. He's just so boring. But like, yeah, yeah, like he is just like, I need to do this. Like and this whole movie just feels (laughs) like an action buddy cop kind of like funny, but not funny. Like they wanted to be like Thor Ragnarok, but they also wanted to be like Infinity War. And it's all about Batman. It's all about Batman. And like, it's not good. It's it's not about the team. It it was just frustrating because. Like you said, buddy cop, they tried to make it like buddy cop romance between Wonder Woman and Batman. And like that was sort of like the thing they're like, oh, are we good enough? We don't know. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like centered around Batman. Yeah. And it's just, I want to say on record, I do think that Ben Affleck as Batman is the most boring Batman. He's not, (laughs) he's not a character. He's not Bruce Wayne. He's Ben Affleck in a fucking leather jacket. (laughs) And then doing a joke voice. You know how people used to be like, I'm Batman. Like that was, that was a joke. He's doing the joke voice whenever he's in the bat suit. And you're like, man, this is really boring. Like there's no choices being made. You're just being Ben Affleck with money, which it's Ben Affleck. Like you're just some <laughs> rich white actor. <laughs> like, and that's my it. superpower and like, is I'm rich. And I was just and like, see, damn. I like that as a that was one line that I noted. I was like, that's fun. I like this because it's true. His superpower is privilege and wealth. That's it. And, and in also, a capitalist society, kind of is a superpower. <laughs> like, 
And I like that basically in both movies, if you look at what Batman does, it's bad. He's bad at getting people together. He's bad at fighting. Like, you know, you see... He's the worst. um, You see Wonder Woman kick so much ass. You see everybody kick so much ass. And he's like, oh, I'm bleeding. (laughs) Like, there's a point. Like, he just keeps, like, even, uh, even the Flash who, like, you know, gets hurt. He still, like, manages to, like do his thing even though he's hurt and Batman's like oh I can't do anything without my gadgets or oh I'm bleeding and then like going on the rich part too like they try to like redeem him at the end because he saves Superman's mom's farm right and he's like oh I bought the bank and then I was just thinking why couldn't you fucking help her to begin with what the Fuck, you're like so, pissing yourself. Like you're you're being such an asshole and you're just like, ugh, my friend died. But you're not trying to reach out and to help anybody that he fucking cared about. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is one of my biggest, because uh, cause that scene and that line is in both of them very clearly and eloquently. And it's one of the things that like bothers me the most about this is like his power, superpower is wealth, is money. He's rich. That's the whole point. He says it very clearly. It's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Ha, ha, ha. We get it. Um, So your good thing that you did for us to be, like, super stoked on is, like, you just bought Superman's farm. Like, that's it. Like, you're literally a billionaire, trillionaire almost. Like, because I feel like, again, in a lot of these universes or in a lot of these, like, comics and these stories, the superhero has a power that is, like, directly tied to who they are intrinsically and, like, the goodness of them is using that for good and that's the whole base of it. But... Batman doesn't use his wealth for good. He just plays cop on the streets and then goes home and then does nothing with his money except buy more shit for himself to play cop. And I'm like, well, that's that's not good. You're just a shitty vigilante who gets beat up and has to get saved by other people. And the only reason you can do that is because you're rich, you idiot. (laughs) Like, a lot of the time, these, um, these villains are actual, they're like real people. That, like, yeah. you know, that are victims of the system and of, like, wealth inequality and stuff like that. So yeah. all of these billions of billions of dollars that he does, like, doing things like, you know, playing cop and buying all this technology and doing all that. If he reinvested into his community and if he actually fucking gave a shit, you know, he, he has all these, like, balls where it's, like, you know, uh, he's playboy and he gets he gets the attention. So, like... He he can't do that he, because he has to be centered in it, right? Yeah. So he has to be centered in any sort of charity that he... There's like how many fucking Wayne charities, right? And then yeah. as Batman, he's also centering himself as the person that's saving, like, you know, and it, it, like just he as a character is fucking gross. I, I, I don't like Batman as a character in general. In this one, I like him even less because he's boring. Like at least if you're going to be a pretend cop, be fucking like as a character be fun or interesting or like make a choice like i mean arguably also christian bale same thing batman as a whole is shitty (laughs) but again i don't and and this is coming from a cinematic perspective i've only seen the the versions of batman through film i have not read any of the batman comics but that being said with the origin story with who bruce wayne is as a person all that stuff he is a pretend cop. That's all he does. And he just has wealth and he fucking sucks. And it's so boring. And I hate that this movie centered the narrative around him and spent so much time. They wasted so much time on his fucking face. Like of yeah. him just sitting there thinking about something. I'm like, you have two hours to squeeze in so much information. 
why are we talking to Batman? <laughs> like, move on. Go somewhere well, else. Show us something else. And most of the time, we just see him being either treating people like objects, right? The dude yeah. that he uses in the beginning, right at the beginning, as bait to lure this guy out, right? Or the, the monsters out. Tracking yeah. people, even his friends, and doing all this stuff. Like, you know, trying to control all of that. But then he's such a fucking asshole to his friends. So, like, when he looks at um, when Diana isn't doing what he wants her to do and isn't reacting how he wants her to react yeah. he says did steve trevor tell you that and she's like yo you need to stop this is not okay and he's like uh superman was a beacon to the world why aren't you why don't i know about you you shut yourself down for a century so don't tell me to fucking move on so he like goes for the low blow like the lowest of also the low blows that's also that's literally coming from somebody who disappears for decades <laughs> yes like that's that's batman's mo generally in every movie and almost anything i've ever read about him it's like he goes and saves the day but then he disappears and that's why there's a bat signal because it's like batman we need you where are you you're nowhere to be found we can't find you you've disappeared like shut the fuck up ben affleck shut up <laughs> and then i love in that same scene though that at like cyborg and um and Flash had her back. Like, Cyborg is like, yeah. look, while you were being an asshole. And then the yeah. Flash is like, look, if she kills you, we're going to cover for her just so you know. So I was like, cool. Okay. Like, I yeah. I like that those things were in there because he is a fucking asshole to he everybody. Sucks. Batman fucking sucks. He's so bogus. The whole... Th just... It's so... It's He's so annoying. I'm, like, way more vested in... I mean, fucking Aquaman or Cyborg or Flash. I mean, at least they're interesting people. And like, but then after that whole, after the whole fucking movie happens, one of the last things, or one of the things that Wonder Woman says to Batman to get him to like be like the person he needs to be or whatever is, she tells him that he was right about her about that whole conversation and that you know she's been a coward, but she can't tell people when they need to die and he needs to you know be the person he needs to man up essentially and i was like you just validated what he said and what he did and how he went about that and like in in this really condescending way to to yourself you know like yeah what fucking power do you have the whole time diana i have like practically no notes for her because all she was doing is like one there were so many ass shots and every fucking uh scene in this like her cleavage was like out like it was like just plunging or like it was she was shot from a very male gaze in this film and yeah. like she's just there to tell men she kind of like functions as like a conscience to them like hey remember remember the human element uh because like they're incapable of getting along with each other because they don't talk about their feelings or they don't talk about stuff <laughs> and i'm just yeah. like cool so she's part of the team and she holds them all together because she's a woman and she talks about feelings okay then like you know furthering that like you know objectification of her right uh aquaman this is supposed to be a funny beat but he's like sitting on her her lasso right her lasso yeah, of truth yeah. and he's like look we're gonna die but it's honorable blah 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 and it's like oh okay like fine cool and then he's like also you're hot diana and like there's like a point i think the only person that doesn't show any romantic interest in her or doesn't like say that they want to fuck her or that they like you know want to get with her is cyborg which again the most interesting person in this right but of course everybody has to like you know most of the people in the team have to want to fuck the one woman on the team right oh yeah and that's kind Without of like doubt. 
oh, well, we respect her because this. Like, because we don't see that, like, she has, like, a moment or two of, like, ass kicking in this. But, like, I mean, nothing like the next film, which I am excited to get into. 100%. Because even that bank scene, like, comparing the two, in the first one, it's almost like, did she save the day? Like, it's edited in a very weird way where, like, the bomb kind of goes off, but it's like, wait, was that her? Like, what happened? They they make sure to show her, like, blocking the bullets and everything, but then it's like, that's kind of it? You know what I mean? Like, there's very little, but then the they, they get way more into it in the second one just as far as, like, how good she actually is as a hero in general and how good she is at fighting, more mm-hmm. specifically. This is also a big critique of, like, hero movies like they're so cishet and like toxic more often than not like you said like every male character has to sleep with her because she's the only woman and she's got cleavage all the time and again that also goes to like wardrobe like she's wearing a literal mini skirt and like a bralette like and a headband i mean (laughs) like I... Well, and that's another thing for the whole Amazons, <laughs> right? Like in the in Wonder Woman, like in the first film, their skirts were not that short. And in this one, yeah. they they definitely shortened them up. They made them from a much more male gaze, of course. But like, yeah, yeah like and, and that was something I remember seeing a lot of headlines when Justice League originally came out in 2017 was it was just like, they they shorten the skirts. Why did they have to do that? You already had the fucking costumes. Like, so this is just yeah. even more budget. And there's way more Amazons that you're showing in this. Like, you know, supposedly. Yeah. So, like, why would you change any of that? Like, in, like, it's... the Wonder Woman, like, the first one, I cried in the first, like, 10 minutes because, like, there you see all of these fucking powerful women that are just like crushing things and just like you know with the abs and the going and they're like doing this like this incredible fighting work right and then in this one they are just the most pushovers like they are not good and they are arguably like the weakest people in the whole film and i was like this is horrible well, what's so strange, and again, this is this leads to what we were saying at the beginning about the context of a scene and the way that it's edited. The scene when the mother box is starting to shake, and then those like the fly people come down. I forget their names, um, but when they show up and it's like the big fight. In the first one, they look so fucking weak and bad <laughs> as like warriors, and they're like just get blown away. And then she's like running in slow mo and slides under the door, and it's like that whole bit. In the second one, it's like a full scene. They're like standing their ground in the room, fucking knocking them back, knocking them back, constantly standing their ground until it's like, fuck, we have to go. Then they go, and then it's this whole scene of them going, because I love like the horseback thing with the rope, and then they're constantly throwing the box and like running. That whole sequence, gorgeous. And I know it's in the first one, but it's way better in the second one. But again, in the first one, it's portrayed as if like, oh, this man's so powerful, we have no chance. But in the second one, it's like, well, no, they have a very good chance they arguably and in the lore almost single-handedly stopped it the first time (laughs) if all of the legion was there protecting the box at that time which you know the second one they get into they're like you know uh go alert the troops or alert the legion let's do this and they fucking hold their own for a long ass time right so like theoretically and and there's so much more to that that just adds so much more context where it's like yes okay i can believe this but in this one Steppenwolf already knows where all three boxes are right away, basically, or the first two boxes, right? So he, like, goes to the Amazons, and he's like, 
yo, I got, and we don't even know why they woke up or anything. Like, nope, there's no, no context. There's so <laughs> like throughout this movie, and so because I haven't watched a lot of DC stuff, I've basically only watched Wonder Woman in this, right? So it's like I, I'm like, am I missing stuff? Is there like you know trying to like. I'm giving it more credit in certain spots because I'm like, I don't fucking know. But there's like so much like vital information that in the Snyder Cut that you get and you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. So like a Steppenwolf just comes up and is like, yoink to like the Amazons and the Atlanteans. Like it was nothing. And I was like, why the fuck didn't you come back and get this earlier? Like this is so boring. (laughs) Yeah, there's like as a a character, because again, Steppenwolf is a character. We need to understand motive. We need to know why he's doing it. Our justification is he tried to do it a couple thousand years ago. It didn't work. He's back to make it happen. Peace out. He knows where these boxes are, as at least the story is edited to make it look like he just shows up and gets it. He shows up and gets it. And at this point, the dresses are like, fuck. If he gets the third one, he loses. Final sequence. They win. It's over. And it's like... But why? Why is he doing And then obviously in the second one, like, he's having to talk to his bad bosses who are like, you need to prove yourself. And he's like, no, but I'm a baby, but help me. And they're like, no, you need to do this now. And he's like, fuck, okay, I'll be a big, strong man and go do it. So there's motive. Like, he's yeah. having to answer to some other people, and that's why he's doing it. And the boxes are way harder to find. He's really struggling in trying to locate where these are at and really struggling every time he comes up against, say, the Atlanteans or the Amazons. It's a much harder fight for him, which, mm-hmm. I mean, in a good movie, it should be. And in the first one, it all happens so quick, and it's just, it implies that nothing really happened. Like, the, yeah. the stakes were so low in the first one that by the time the resolve turns and the day is good again and Superman's back to being Superman and alive, it's kind of like, oh, I guess it's done, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. it was the pacing of this movie like the way that they they spent so much time on on batman on like we're sad because superman's gone that was probably like between those two things that was at least a half hour of the movie and then they spent another 10 minutes on this like one family that was living in radiation city that we didn't need which Uh, who yeah who the fuck were they i mean granted they weren't in the second one but who the fuck was that and why was that and like, like they tried to do like so many more jokes and try like they like some of the the choices that were made I just don't understand because there's so much content there and so much good content too like okay look like I know that Josh stepped in because accentuating circumstances absolutely 100% like but fucking push back the movie date if something that big happens like this was like justice league was a pile of steaming shit like it was one of the worst movies that i have ever fucking seen and it was that because there was literally no information this reminded me of like the cliff notes version like a bad cliff notes version of a book that you find on i don't know yahoo somewhere like there was fucking no information and it was so confusing and it was why even even to that effect like I understand that Aquaman's had his movie. Well, wait, hold on. Did Aquaman come out after Justice League? Yes, it came out in 2018. Okay. Like, this was before that movie. So, like, this is our first introduction, arguably, to Aquaman. And there's nothing there. It's just he shows up in this town and that's... Knowing that that's his introduction when they're having that conversation, he jumps in the water and leaves. I'm like, that's that's bad. That's so unceremonious and terrible. There's no backstory. We don't... We know almost nothing about the Atlanteans. We've never even been to where they are. And this is our first view of them as like, it's just, 
It was bad. Also, I do want to say on the pod, and this is so fun. I don't know, Danny, if you want to leave this in, whatever. Uh, Jason Momoa does follow one of my bands on Instagram. Shout out, Jason Oding. Momoa. Which if one? You, uh, to Baltics. To Baltics? I remember when Dang. I got the notification on my phone, I was like, what? <laughs> Aquaman <laughs> follows my band? That's crazy. Um, but that was cool. And he still does. So if you're listening, uh, book us for your birthday party and pay us thousands of dollars to play. Um, now... I want to talk about The Flash. For as problematic as Ezra Miller is as a person, I do think that Ezra Miller is a good actor. In this first movie, uh, I was so unimpressed and like fucking bummed out that his character was shit. Like, the context of us meeting him where he's talking to his dad in prison, the lines don't make sense. The reading of it where he's like, oh my god, why would you say that? And I'm like, who are you? We know nothing about, like, this scene is so fucking clunky and as an introduction is one of the worst scenes like okay his dad is mad at him whatever and then it's just him back at his house and that's when batman finds him zero context we know nothing about him just like we know nothing about any of the other characters but because of the way that it's edited it makes him seem like a bad actor (laughs) like in this first movie he was not good in it at all and it makes his character seem uh, seem so much more of like a dweeb, right? Like yes. he's just kind of he is a sidekick to Batman, right? And he yeah. lives in a hacker in a hacker sequel movie, right? Which I would watch the shit out of. But I mean, I do yeah. want to talk about really quick. Uh, side note: um, another interesting choice that was between these two with like this is how you know that. 2017 Justice League was made for male gaze because it was so ingrained in even the smallest things. Like when you go in to the Flash's hacker's lair, right? There's a bunch of screens and there's one screen where there's like a female K-pop band that's like, you know, dancing and doing the thing and skirts and stuff. And I was like, and I remember this because I was like, ooh, who is that? I wanted like, you know, because I like K-pop, right? And so I was like, who is that? Like, what? what is this? And then in the next one, they're not there. It's a skull. It's a he re- skull. He, he replaced the screen with like a big blue skull. I yes. noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and that is the smallest thing, but it was like, oh. <laughs> like, I know it's a small thing to read into, but with like, because even like Lois in this movie is just fucking like, she is used as quote the big guns right and she makes herself so small where she goes back to work but she doesn't write stories or anything because she's so sad and then she like is the big guns that like is and she's used by batman and i was like fuck this like the way that women are treated even in the background of this movie is fucked well also on top of that like just like every other character, she gets almost nothing. Like, in my head, she had, like, three clunky-ass sentences before she's used as, like, cannon fodder to stop Superman from killing the Justice League. Like, at the beginning, it's like, yeah, I am so sad. And and then it's, like, her waking up in bed. And then it's her at the cop car being like, I'm here, Superman, stop. And I'm like, who okay. are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, I know you're Lois Lane, but, like... Who are you? You weren't here. You haven't been here. You're not in this movie. Why and that's are you why, here? Like, <laughs> the like the way that they established grief in this, or like you know, a sense of loss, was through again how, how superficial this this film is. They show grief and loss in the world mourning by you know here's the Notre Dame and here's the mm-hmm. uh, the Tower Bridge and here's all of these things, right? That you know the world is in mourning and they want a new hero and stuff. 
Whereas the next one, they show her grieving. They show the world kind of grieving. And and the people that meant something to Clark, like being quiet and being in these small moments, which we'll talk about then. But in this one, it's just like, look, everybody's sad. You know, like, all right, sad, sad, sad. Like how we sometimes talk about the idea of like showing and not telling. And I know that that's just like a general, just in, in making a good movie, I feel like opening this movie with like a found footage of Superman being like, I don't know, kids, uh, save the world. And then it's like 20, like you said, tw- like 20 minutes of B-roll of characters being like, oh no, Superman died. Mm. For like what we find out is like a two year span, but you don't see any of the characters really grieving. You don't really see, I mean, again, you don't see Lois at all. <laughs> but on top of that, it's if everyone is so sad about Superman being dead, I mean, nobody's really talking about him until they're like, hey, should we go dig up his body? Maybe. Is that crazy? And it's just bad. Like, I just, this first one is just, it is it is bad, Jess. It's so bad. It is. And it's a I... clunker. I'm so, like, part of what makes this movie even more frustrating, like, how much substance there was to this script and to this world building and to these characters and to how much care was taken with a lot of the shooting of this movie, right? A lot of the pre-production, a lot of, like, the production. And then, like, seeing what came out is just, like, I don't understand how Joss Whedon, who is awful, can justify all of these choices like i'm like you took out the entire big bad like dark side isn't even in this movie and he's huge in the next movie right and they don't even talk about the anti-life equation you know there's so so much more substance and i really like one of the reasons why I don't really watch as much film I do now for this podcast, but um, I never watch as much film is because, like, oftentimes it's like things are so rushed or, you know, how am I supposed to get into the story? I feel oh. like television has been just significantly better over the past, like, 20 years, right? Probably yeah. 30 years because you have more time to develop a story and a narrative and uh, and characters and all of that. And so I'm excited with seeing, you know, after seeing WandaVision, seeing, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, then seeing like the Snyder Cut, I was like, superhero films to do these stories justice and to also be kind to their audiences and to show that they like respect them and think they're intelligent need yeah. to move away from the two hour epic and need yeah. to do something more. And even like Star Wars also is something like, you know, talking about these big giant universes, right? That like yeah. when it gets too big, it's too big for a film. Give it more room to breathe and tell the story the way that yeah. it should be told, you know? Yeah. Like the Snyder Cut's good, arguably because it had four hours to yes. tell <laughs> the story. Because <laughs> again, <laughs> if if the unfortunate circumstance that did happen that pulled Snyder from the movie if that hadn't happened and in this moment he stayed with this movie, I'm sure it also would have been a big old stinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it probably would not have been good. And for that reason, it's like you don't have enough time to tell the backstories of five pivotal, crucial characters on top of developing a bad, on top of developing what you're trying to make as the DCU or what have you with an ultimate bad of like the bad of a trilogy. You're trying to do, I mean, what he had argued or what he wanted and said he's wanted to do was Justice League 1, 2, and 3, where the ultimate baddie is Darkseid, 
you have uh what's his name who is uh steppenwolf's boss and then steppenwolf as the first right so you have like the three it's set up that's what's going to happen but you can't do that in two hours you can't do it well at least you can do it it's possible but it's not going to be great it's not going to be that enjoyable it's going to be a lot of a lot of exposition it's going to be a lot of wait why are they there it's gonna, or a lot it's, of relying on you to have already seen the other media, right? Yeah, and I feel yeah, like yeah. film film sometimes really does need to be able to like stand alone or be able to like give you the information that you need in order to enjoy the film. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the problems with not to talk about Star Wars again, but um <laughs> the last Star Wars movie that came out, right? Is yeah. they like they did so much outside of that that none of it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I do think that I, I think that this is just too big for a film. It's just too There's much. There's a lot. Man, this thing is a stinker. It's not good. This thing like just reaffirmed everything that I thought and felt about the DC uh, cinematic universe, right? Yeah, same. Like, oh, yeah. Cool. Like, I was not surprised. This is exactly what I expect. It feels like an Age of Ultron slash Endgame ripoff. Well, and also, that yeah, whatever. was... That was also, like, and arguably even in the second one, so boring I mean, to me because, like... DC and Marvel definitely do that where it's like, wait, but this is like the, like, you know, this guy is like, uh, Flash is kind of like Spider-Man. It's like, uh, like okay, yeah. whatever, whatever. You you have the Thor, you have the gauntlet with the stones, and it's like, now, but these aren't stones, they're boxes, and when you put the boxes together, they create the ultimate power. If you put the stones together, they create the... It's like... Very, very linear, very structured. I mean, granted, that's not to to dismiss or diminish, like, some of the nuance and especially a lot of the offshoots of, like, parallel universes and character development from a lot of writers who do all these cool comics. But at the same time, watching this, I was bored because I'm like, yeah, this feels like the fucking Marvel movie with Thanos and ah, whatever. I know if you're a big comic head, you're probably going to eat me alive for being so cavalier about this. But. If you watch the first Justice League, I'm sure you could, to some degree, agree that it is not great, especially by comparison to this uh, new release. Two years after Superman's death, Bruce Wayne Batman heeds a warning about a looming apocalypse that is to be initiated by Big Baddie Steppenwolf as a way to redeem himself in the eyes of Desaad, his boss daddy who answers to real big bad daddy, Darkseid. Since Darkseid attempted to conquer Earth some millennia ago, he has sent Steppenwolf to do his bidding in attempt number two. Here we go. So Batman begins assembling the team, Diana Prince as Wonder Woman, Barry Allen as The Flash, Arthur Curry as Aquaman, and Victor Vic Stone as Cyborg. What's this? The Justice League is running out of time, and Steppenwolf has two of the mother boxes after brutally murdering swarms of Amazonians and Atlanteans, and now they have to reanimate Superman's corpse so they can for sure defeat Steppenwolf once and for all? So they reanimate Superman's corpse, but look out. He doesn't remember who he is and is trying to kill the Justice League. JK, Lois Lane arrives and they fly off to Smallville for Superman to heal and collect himself. As Desaad continues pressuring Steppenwolf to complete his task, he finally gets the third mother box and the unity process begins. Cue the Justice League breaking into the big, bad lair in Radiation City, Russia. They figure out that if Cyborg can hack the mainframe of the Unity while Flash gives him a big old jolt of lightning, they can stop the process. What's this? They're too late? Nonsense. The Flash runs so fast he turns back timeshare style. Steppenwolf is impaled and decapitated. Yikes. And Darkseid broods from another realm. 
Three hours of post-narrative teaser scenes and a horrible Joker cameo later. The Earth is saved. Thank you, Justice League. Schneider cut. Snyder cut. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the Rob Schneider cut. The Rob Schneider cut. Oh my god. <laughs> I do. I do want to preface before I say anything about this. I know that I've been saying like the Snyder cut is good. I do want to put a big like hat on that and say juxtaposed with Justice League 2017, the Snyder Cut version is a good movie. It's a far better movie. It's a good movie. Now, if I hadn't seen Justice League 2017 and had only watched this, would I feel the same way? I don't know. Because it's still pretty clunky and it's still very big and there's still a lot, a lot of moments where I'm like, okay. But compared to the first one, oh my God, this thing's a masterpiece. (laughs) The very yeah I mean maybe that's why I like have so like I'm just like wow really incredible and it's just yeah. because there is like that like that's what I'm comparing it to but I think ultimately yeah. too like this movie I have like a whole list of things that this movie did better which is most of my notes um, yeah but a lot of it has to do with just like the pacing the character development the world building the plot points like I, I wasn't really confused about what was happening or why things were happening because part of the reason it's four hours is because it really took its time to develop not only the character characters themselves but also like the cultures like and the people within them you know and so like for me that was great because I love world building yeah it's also just more concise like if we're looking at if we're comparing big like intros intros to the movies the first one spent like the two minute found footage sequence and then like the 20 minutes of like people crying over Superman whereas this movie was very concise it showed Superman dying from the last movie we see his death we see his cry we see the mother boxes reacting alongside of people being sad and then so we're we like know. oh yes that's so it's why cause and effect up. not a word has been spoken but we're being shown his death is the reason this is happening and that's why these things are happening and that's why he's coming and scene first line Mother box is opening. We're in the Amazon. Let's go. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just. And you also get to see, like, some of that grief, too. Like, so it it goes through, like, what his scream or, like, what his, like, dying breath did, right? And how, like, that quite literally rippled throughout the world, right? And so, like, the Amazonians, holy shit, they're like, oh my God. The Atlanteans, oh my God, this happened. The whole world is like, oh my God. But then it also, like, centers in on, like, on Lois, right? And yeah. like one of the things that this film did exceptionally well, I think, is a lot of the sound design and a lot of the score for this. Because the last one was like, you know, it was like a rock and roll, like big, giant, epic thing. And it was just like really boring. But this one is not afraid to be quiet in the same yeah. way that it's not afraid to sit in these moments of and like let the impact of what is happening or like the weight of what these characters are going through like or what they're experiencing it's not afraid to let you sit in that and so like there's certain moments like dave was pointing it out when like when the flash is talking to his dad right so they developed that whole thing better because they actually showed the dialogue there but like it's not like this just kind of like quirky you know music or quirky feeling it's just like this kind of like you can hear like the cell doors and everything opening closing people walking around and people doing the thing and like you know there's a little bit of music or like you know like background music which is just very like simple tones most of the time for this stuff and yeah. then when 
his dad says, forget about me or whatever, everything kind of slowly fades to the background. So it doesn't like, so you don't notice it while you're watching it. But what it all that does is just pull you into what is being said. And again, the weight of what the dad is saying. So they just did such a good job with that where it was more cognizant about what it wanted you to feel and what it, how it wanted you to feel in those moments. Yeah, it felt like the last one just, it didn't have a direction. And that's why a lot of the scenes felt so clunky. I mean, granted, out of context, like they, it wasn't given the, the backing or the platform for these scenes to kind of flourish. But again, it's also that sound design. The sound is very brooding at times. I mean, it's just a good score and it's good sound design for this movie because it makes you feel something. It guides you through the movie. I mean, I will argue the only sound thing that I hated was any time Wonder Woman was on screen. It'd be like, and it's just like, okay, sure. If we're going to like at the beginning, we're in Amazonia, like cool. Like we're setting the scene sick, but it's literally like every fucking time they cut to her. And I'm like, okay, we get, she's a woman. Like, I don't know why this is so necessary. Cause it, to me, at least it took me out of it and it felt so like, don't forget, she's a woman, she's a woman, she's a woman, she's a, which I'm like, yes, and I love that, and I love that this movie portrays her way better than the Whedon one did, but at the same time, it felt counterproductive it felt, at a certain uh, point. To me, it took me out, not necessarily, like, because, like, I get that that's her theme in this film and in, like, you know, all of this, so, like, okay, fine. Yeah. But, like, her theme doesn't fit with the rest of the Justice League members, so it would go from her and then go from him and then go from, and so, like, you know, everybody else has kind of flowed together, but hers is just, it pulls you out um, yeah. in a way that I don't think the other ones do. And, yeah, I don't know, it, like, I get big uh, Xena Warrior Princess vibes from that, which, yeah. like, look, I stand. Like, I which love. Is but, great, yeah. Yeah. But that's not the tone you're setting for the rest of the characters, so it does yes. feel kind of outlierish. Like, why are you highlighting her so much? In the same way that in the first one, it's like, I mean, granted, the levels of misogyny are not the same, because in the first one, she's just a sexual object for all the male to gaze at. But in this one, like, at a certain point, I'm like, this feels antithetical to the concept that you're trying to portray for her character like obviously there's strength obviously there's this like autonomous strength and 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 like bigness that she carries with her wherever she goes but just that that audio track i feel like detracted so much after the third time and it happens like 30 times (laughs) like after the third time just have a nice score in the background like she is good enough like she presents herself and her character presents herself well enough. You don't have to remind us with the audio track. It just felt so <laughs> rude. It felt rude. It felt, it felt messy. And I, that it, I hated that every single time. Well, and her character is really the only person in the whole movie that knows what they're doing and knows what they want to do. And is yeah. like, I don't think they have that same moment in this where, because, yeah, because Bruce doesn't do the whole like, well, Steve Trevor, blah, 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 like I'm a sad boy thing, right? He doesn't yeah. take that low blow. But in this whole thing, she is confident in who she is. She, you know, she has her morals and she does that. And she like, you know, if she has a problem, she says, hey, I don't think that's right to bring him back, you know. She knows who she is and what she wants and what she needs to do, and she doesn't shy away from it. It was great to see that, you know, usually in film, the women are the ones that are unsure of themselves or don't know what to do or anything. It's great to see that she was confident in who she was and what she was doing. Can I talk about The Flash? Yeah. Okay. 
in the first one, I hated Ezra Miller's performance. I thought it was awful. I thought it was so... Uh, it was a choice, but to me it was the wrong choice. Now, given the context of this backstory where he's like struggling, he doesn't really have any friends, he's like a little bit off, he's like trying to get this regular job and uh, he's disheveled, his resume's all fucked up. And then there's this whole car accident scene where like he saves somebody. You see hero action like he's supposed to be this hero who is this person you see this great scene i mean i do have to talk about the hot dogs because (laughs) what why like what the fuck like to me this was a very like why did why did you do that like i know you're trying to to be silly dogs with that and that that was cute but it was kind of like to me it felt gross because it was like a hot dog by her face and that's like the whole thing. It's like she's surrounded by wieners and that's supposed to be like a funny like haha and he like pulls it away. But to me, I'm just like, I mean, like, why are you surrounding this like obvious love interest, this obvious interest, person of interest, this character who I'm assuming at some point if the Flash ever gets something, you're introducing her by sexualizing her in a very silly way. Like, yeah. it's not necessary. Like, if there is a moment of sexualization it's more romance based where like she's obviously interested in him and he's interested in her. We see that it doesn't have to be exploited in this way where she's literally in a car accident. And then he's like, let's just throw a bunch of hot dogs around her. Let's put it right by her mouth. <laughs> you're like, why, why, why that? And then it's like, Hey, I'm going to put this in. Dog. And it's, it's like, shut up, shut up, Zack Snyder. Shut up. Like <laughs> fucking put it, move it. Like it's so stupid. But that being said, that whole sequence, I did love it. I did love how he like mm-hmm. pointed his finger into the door and then it shatters and he runs out and it's like he saves her. Then he's back with the dog. Super cute love. And to me, after that scene, next time we see him, then he's going to visit his dad. Then the whole conversation about like, stop trying to help me. He's like, I'm trying to get into criminal law, whatever. Like that whole scene made so much more sense with his character and his sort of like more like femme mannerisms he's like he's like a little sassy he's like a little like a little fluid like that whole choice to me made so much more sense because like we're seeing who he is as a person in the real world and then it it just it changed the entire context of the scene i liked it i also liked ezra miller's performance in this way more because again given the right context everything's contextual and I feel like that also just really set up um, set up the end because like in the first one, he was just kind of like, like we talked about, he was just kind of there. And then it's like, oh, we're going to fight the bad guys. Just go help people. Go do like they don't treat him like he's capable of anything. And in this one, first of all, I love I was just so blown away by that scene because it was so fucking cool to see that this is how fast he moves. And then he just like touches the window and it ripples and like it almost looked fluid. And then it like just the way that that was shot was just so much more grand and so interesting to me and so fucking cool. And then like the way that that played into, you know, like we see him like that's his base level, right? And then the next level is he runs so fast that he creates the electrical current to do the boxing, right? Like so to wake up Superman. So cool. That's the next level. And then we see him like we already know what he can do. We know what he's capable of. Then we see him turn back time, right? And it is so incredible. He actually yeah. him and Cyborg are the ones that save the fucking day. And it's- 
They were nothing I mean, in the first film. They were fucking where, nothing. Where the fuck is Batman without guns? Nothing. He's nowhere. And he's of no use. Even with guns, he's of he's no use. He's barely in this movie, and I loved it. Yeah, again, because I don't like I don't give a shit about Batman. And you're so right. This movie would not have worked. Like, Cyborg and Flash are the ones who saved the day. Aquaman, kind of. Wonder Woman, more so. Batman, who cares? <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's why, to me, in this, especially with Cyborg, Cyborg's backstory, that's one of the things. And also, just commenting on what I've read as far as, um, what is the actor's name? Ray Fisher. There are the allegations, obviously, of Ray Fisher talking about abuse of Joss Whedon. That's not a new thing. Joss Whedon is an abusive asshole. He is famously so an abuser. Um, but so much so, I feel like he, in his version, he didn't like him so much, he cut out his whole story. Like, his whole story yeah. was just non-existent. And it's so, like, what a fucking petty piece of shit asshole. And I'm, I mean, fucking, it's so gross. But in this one, what a cool backstory. It gave so much more weight to his character. There was more of a developed nuance of, like, growth where it's not only grief-based. It's, like, obviously the daddy issue thing, like, I want my dad to be there and he's not there. And then this accident, it's, like, double bad and... He brings him back to life without his consent, which is a whole thing. And he's like, fuck you. I don't know you. You're not my dad. And like the tape player, the tape recording where he's like, and speaking as a father, crush, love, gorge. We're seeing all of these moments of like him dealing with it. And we're like actually seeing him grow. There's a like, this is my life now, but I hate it here and I don't want it anymore. Sort of like depressive mode. Then there's more of a maybe something good can come here. And then there's an embracing of the power. And then there's a recognition of strength and power. And then it's full blown superhero. Like he could do everything by himself, which we didn't get any of that in the first one. It's just, Hey, I got in an accident and now I'm a robot. Anyways, should I like plug into the cube or what do you guys want to do? You're like, <laughs> what the fuck? And so, also like they allow for like, you know, he is given these powers and we get to see him, like learn to control them and learn to use them where the other yeah. one he's like i don't know what i'm doing right i don't know but i guess like but like in this one he like you know his dad is like you know as as messy uh, as like his choice to you know turn his son into a cyborg is yeah. you know you see him try to do right and try to make up for lost time and all of that and the way that he does that like the dad's re like redemption arcs can be so so bad but i liked his redemption arc like i was like oh okay like that's cool you yeah know? the the fact that he had one the fact that he was in it yeah like he stayed a re he like remained a character in this movie and just this idea of like i mean granted like the self-sacrificing thing sure i feel less good about like uh death by suicide in general <laughs> um mm -hmm. in this movie and i know it's supposed to be this like heroic endeavor like I have to say this to save the world, but at the same time, I was a little like, well, I mean, we didn't have to do all that. <laughs> like, <laughs> he could, he could, I mean, he could have saved another way. Maybe it was therapeutic. I don't know. However, um, that scene was rough. Him yeah. dying, like them showing him die, I was like, ooh, that's a lot uh, for me. But I did like his arc. The fact that he had an arc of any kind and like the recognition, even at the end, when he like cyborg reanimates the tape player that he destroyed when he's like embracing this man as his father again it's sort of like a forgiveness moment where he like hears what his dad finally has to say and it's like great 
And his dad, like, also, like, lets him be mad and lets him have his anger. And he still checks in on him and he still tries to, you know, be there. But he doesn't force himself into his life in the same way, like, that he did in the last one. Or it felt like he did in the last one, right? And so as we see Cyborg coming to terms with what has happened with him, right? I mean, this whole movie is also about grief, right? Again, everybody's dealing with grief in some form or another. Superman is dealing with the grief of being dead and then coming back and then that whole thing and cyborg is dealing with the grief of like his mom and his life and what his dad like and this whole fucking messy thing so while he's figuring out who he is he's figuring out what he can do and he's using that even i like that it's set up too even before he was cyborg he was still going out of his way to do good things right we see the principal calling his mom in to be like well mrs your son and her mom i love his mom was just like i'm sorry that's doctor and I was like, ooh, yes, get that. But, like, we see that the reason that he he did what he did was because, like, he was trying to help a student that needed help, right? Like, yeah. whereas, because, and he was, like, also kind of a hacker, which is cool because then that played into everything. But he calls out the principal directly for, like, not helping students that need help, but helping those that benefit him and his position in the school as a whole. Yeah. And I was like, Fuck yeah. Well, and then he gives and, the, the woman like a hundred thousand dollars and he and I'm just and, like, yes. And see that's that's the thing. I'm like, that's hero behavior. Gorge. This is a movie about heroes. You're literally showing in every face uh, or every facet of the world that's structured to benefit cis white men in this moment. You're seeing this unjust thing and saying, like, you don't understand the circumstances. You don't want help. You just want to look good. You want to maintain status. You want to maintain structure. Again, you're establishing this hero, hero behavior, love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just better. It was just so much better. Again, getting anything about Cyborg. And to me, this was Cyborg's Justice League, I would argue, because this, it was way more centered around him. And even in scenes where like, when they're going, breaking into the lab, he's the center of it, it where, where his dad dies, where they're, um, mm-hmm. Steppenwolf's getting the last uh, mother box after they reanimate Superman. Cyborg's kind of in charge, He's kind of leading it. Batman has taken a full backseat to going or doing anything for the most part, which I love. And he's kind of, I mean, he's the one who hatches the plane. He's the one who suggests reanimating Superman. He's the one who knows how to hack the box at the end to save the world. He's the one who does everything. He does everything. And you know what? I do want to say this that I really like. That I don't know if it was like intentional. I hope it is. But like also, who knows? The way that Superman comes back at the end in the last fight, um, initially he just shows up and says some quippy line about like, so in the first one he says, well, I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. That's how he like shows up back for the fight. But in this one, when Steppenwolf's about to kill Cyborg, again, a black character, Superman, a white character, literally uses his body as a shield and gets slammed. And says, not impressed. And that's when the fight, like, goes off and Superman just starts killing him. (laughs) But just the choice to say putting Superman's body as a literal shield in front of this black character. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I didn't even catch that. I love that. that. Yeah. I mean, which, which is great. But also just, like, the line worked. It was way more impressive of him to show up and, like fucking kick Steppenwolf's ass like really hard like it was like a really great well-paced fight scene I thought that that was incredible 
I do too. And I also liked that he wasn't necessarily questioned with what he wanted to do. Like the, this movie wasn't like, you can't do that. Oh my gosh. Like Wonder Woman did say that to him. Like she was like, oh no, you can't do this. Like you're going to die. And he's like, look, you're the one that told me to use these gifts. I'm going to, I'm jacking in girl. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, there's not a lot of drama to that or it's not over dramatized in the same way where it'd be like, well, I have to do this or the whole world, blah, 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 blah. Just remember me. Like, you know, like that, like it's not drawn out. He's like, no, this is what has to be done and I'm going to do yeah. it. You know, yeah. you can't stop me. And he's not doing it because there's anybody that he loves in the world that he wants to save. He's doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it's because yeah. he like he knows he's the only one that can. And he doesn't spend any time feeling sorry for himself or questioning himself or what he needs to do. He's just kind of like, cool, this is what I have to do and I'm going to do it. So like in a lot of ways, he's the most heroic person of all of them because he doesn't hesitate. There is nothing holding him back from being who and what he needs to be because he literally at the core of his character is just a good fucking person. Yeah, which is why, again, I'm so happy that he's in this way more. And I, I mean, I would 100% watch a cyborg story. <laughs> like, I mean, he is by far and above the best, not only in character, but in uh, decision and in, in practice. He is, he is it to me. I'm like, this is the most heroic person in this movie. Love given given arguably the worst circumstances right like his mom's gone his dad like that whole back like mm -hmm. he's put in the worst position with nothing and then is the most he's just fucking he's the coolest character i like that he was in it more um i still think some of the scenes were a little clunky acting wise not just with him but like in general but i i love how his story played into this movie in the way that it was intended. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, fuck Joss Whedon for cutting all that shit. Like, Jesus. Like, yeah. what? Are you, and, you and Ben Affleck just good old, good old buddies? Like, I don't... Why? Why was Batman in there so much? Like, he's so boring. <laughs> the original one didn't have the black Superman suit, right? Like, it yeah. was just the regular one. And so when he showed up with the, the black suit, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is this is new. Like, that's fucking cool, right? And, like, yeah, again, showing that this is, like, a rebirth. This is something new. This is a new story yeah. for, like, signifying that change, right? Um, I also liked that the tension for this movie did not come from bruce and essentially how he is abusive to his friends and to everybody i liked that it wasn't this whole big like should we bring him no we shouldn't bring him blah 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 blah, blah right like there yeah. wasn't that infighting with the team because like in the first one they didn't seem like a team they didn't seem like they wanted to work together they didn't really like i didn't buy any of that but in this one because they didn't have that tension or you know that that type of dialogue between them um it felt more like a team it felt more like a choice that they all made together and they made it for better reasons you know and they they yeah. did things for better reasons like all of them getting to um the radiation area right was just like cool like it felt just more like they were working as a unit and they were actually working together and not just out for themselves or not just being assholes to each other yeah i could not agree with more in the first one, it felt like like this is supposed to be this movie of like the coming together of all good things in the world to defeat the, all the bad things. And there's like this heroism that's just supposed to be rampant. Like, again, they're not supposed to be best friends, but like 
it seemed like they could barely be bothered to be there. And they're like, yeah, I guess. Great. Like, let's go. Oh, like, we have to go there, there now? Like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> fuck, Jesus. But in this one, it felt like there was a general, like, even if we don't know each other very well, we know we have to be here. We want to be here. We want to do this because we are born to do this. Let's go. And you're like, yeah. yeah, you're a team. You're a league. I liked it way more. I mean, fuck. <laughs> what? I think that that was also, um, you know, because the the film goes into like the historical backstory of the first invasion, right? When uh, Darkseid and um, his minions all failed to perform the unity on Earth, right? Yeah. And um, all of, you know, the Amazonians, the men and the, um, the Atlanteans, like their histories had told them that they could not fight together, that they couldn't be trusted and that... And like, you know, so there was all of this, um, even like historically moving, going back, right? Yeah. There was all of this tension between them. And then literally the only way that they could win was just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do this together. And then, you know, so like that was also kind of foreshadowing for this team, right? And so it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, of course they're working together, you know? And like going into those cultures right i love that each one like that they all like these different groups trusted each other with the box and the boxes like right to just be honored in the way that their culture deemed appropriate right so like the amazons handled it the way that they thought it would be the best and atlanteans like you know so like i i loved that and then men just buried it (laughs) yeah they just threw it they just threw it in the hole they're like, we're in the Let's woods. Nobody's going to find this. You know, but like also like it's so telling of how these different cultures, like what they value and how they deal with problems, right? Men bury their feelings. They bury their problems. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to know that it's there or that it's a problem, right? They have to yeah. forget about it or else they're going to want to use it or dwell on it or the whole thing. Women um, like the Amazonians have to be on guard. They bottle it up, but they're like always ready for something to happen, right? They're they, always on guard, always have all of these fail safes and all of this stuff, right? And they then, literally created a place for it. Exactly. And then Atlanteans, they asked for help from nature or, you know, like I, they didn't go into the Atlanteans as much as they did the Amazons, um, which I was like... I don't know. I don't really care about Atlanteans, but I was more invested but in Amazons. They they also arguably created a place for it too. Like it's intention. Like there's a there's a structure in place with guarded areas for it to sit in the center. Like they also created a place for it. And again, man, just put it in a hole somewhere in the woods. <laughs> I thought they that said, was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I will say I did like that that backstory, that history of like sort of a collective culture coming together to destroy this thing, but then like dismissing each other. And like, there's the lore of like, Oh, well my people don't like your people and your people don't like my people. Mm-hmm. I hate it. The scene when they're in the graveyard and wonder woman is talking to Aquaman and it's like, well, my culture says that, well, my culture says the same thing too much. Yeah. Too, that was too on the That nose. was so silly and bad and on the nose. And I get it. I get like, we have more in common than we we don't like that's the implication we are all one we have to come together like we're just people cool 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 and i love that but this 
was just like also him being like i also hate my people i'm like okay self-hating person like fucking calm down it just i mean his whole character was like protecting white people this whole movie right rather than like and so it was like oh okay like i don't know i don't i don't know how i felt about aquaman there wasn't enough of him to feel anything yeah but he was just a different version of batman for me like he just has uh batman has wealth and aquaman has abs yeah, and he can swim. Great. Cool. We love. Um, no, I just, that scene when they're talking, I hated it. I like, <laughs> it bothered, it bothered me so much because it felt like it's supposed to be saying this one thing about unity, but instead it feels like kind of just xenophobic, like mm-hmm. casually, like, the way that she approaches talking about the Atlanteans, and I know that these are like fake people and fake groups, but the way that she's talking about them is very like, oh, you're just a racist. Very racist. Yeah. You're just a piece of shit, Wonder Woman. I mean, and she's kind like, of a yeah. boomer too. She's like technology. She's, like, I, oh, I fully, I will fully say, I did not like her in this movie. Her, like, just obviously she's strong. Obviously, I love what she stands for, but the character. I thought she was just an asshole. Like, I just, I didn't like her approach in that scene. I was like, you seem really racist and shitty. And like, my people are obviously better than your people. So fuck you. And then he's like, well, I don't like my people all day. She's like, oh, so we're friends because you hate your own people. Like, I'm like, this is, you're gross. (laughs) Also weird because like, I thought that that whole like history that was shown was like, hey, look, they're all cool now. Hey, they're all friends. Right. So I was like, wait a second. Why is there this racism thing that we have yeah. going on? Why is this was, a thing? It was trying to just do that, like, see, we came together at one point and we can come together again. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I like that sentiment. And I think it's like, I think that's cool. But then to have this scene where, like, these heroes are just being kind of racist assholes, I was like, well, like, shouldn't they be the example? <laughs> like, they're the char- yeah. they're the main character. Shouldn't they be the example for coming together? And I know that that scene's supposed to exemplify that, but the way that it's played out, it's like, we share the same common phrase, so I'll be not racist today. Like, ooh, okay, <laughs> like, shut up. What is the, what the fuck, Wonder Woman? <laughs> like, yeah, and I mean, she, I have actually, I have no notes for her, basically, from this movie. Yeah. I had, like, a little bit for her on the last movie, um, yeah. But yeah, like she, you know, in both movies, she's kind of a boomer because she's like, oh, technology, technology, we can't trust technology. And then when that's pit against like cyborg, right? When you think about the implications of that, that's also messy. Ooh. Um, so I didn't even like, think about that. So, I mean, they don't really address it, right? He doesn't, no. he obviously doesn't, it's not shown that he internalizes that or like picks up on something like that. But by her saying that, she's saying about him, right? And about yeah. what he stands for. But I will say, I did love the Amazons. I did love them in this movie. And I loved all of like all of the meticulous planning that they did for this. They built this temple for it. Right. Or this like, you know, uh, lockdown area. And then they always had it under guard. And then there were like the pillars where you see like those women with like, you know, just fucking so strong, just like with a hammer cutting the thing. And it was just like fucking like this is so powerful but like you see like as soon as it cracks then the queen comes right and they're like so that whole timeline makes more sense because it allows you to see the planning that they had put into this and that they were still like while the atlanteans didn't give a shit and were just like yeah whatever it's a thing and men had just thrown it away right the amazons were fucking ready right and 
and then like the building falling and like seeing seeing them like actually take out some of these monsters and like having this be an actual epic battle and seeing like you know having the queen see her sisters like die and like literally like what did they say they said something to her just like you know just go just do what you have to do and you see like the weight that that takes on the queen because she loves all of these people so much and yeah. like she tells all of all of these women like as soon as they come in she's like show them your fear right we like and they like bam like just like so cool and then like seeing like the whole like temple just fall into the ocean and all this stuff i was like fucking yes here for this and then like what that did too was that made dark side seem more menacing because you know like uh you also got to see like the cool shit with his armor and how like it like you know breaks all those arrows and stuff and i was just like cool and like throughout this whole thing even though she's battling and even though this is hard and even though like her like her people are dying like she's still just she feels it she doesn't just put it away in these moments right she like sees it she feels it and she uses that to like when she's alone on the floor and Steppenwolf is coming, he's trying to be all intimidating and she's still there ready to fight by her fucking self because yeah. she a- she does what she asks everybody else to do. I loved everything about that. That whole sequence, the way that they upped it, because again, I still think that in the first one, the sequence with the horses where they're like throwing the box and they're passing it to keep it away from him. I In the first one, I was like, this is great. I think this is fantastic. Like, I love the way that this is staged. Mm-hmm. I mean, not her running out of the temple. The Her running out of the temple was so clunky and bad in the first one. Like, it was garbage. But yeah. as soon as they're running away from him in the planes, I'm like, oh, amazing. And they kept that portion for the second one. But they just plussed it with that whole scene where they're, they're having the battle inside the temple before it then falls off the cliff. The falling off the cliff, gorgeous fake out where he flies up, keep going, fuck, he's really bad. It heightened the stakes so much so that way when that sequence did happen, it was like, oh, yeah, like, fuck. And then he's they like, wa- they're they're strong, but fuck, he might be stronger. This sucks. Like, he's bad. He's and really bad. And when you bad. think that, when you think that, right, Then and it's just the queen with the box and he takes the box and yeah. she's like ready to fucking like fight him with her dying yeah. breath, you see just thousands of Amazonian women pouring off of the mountain and you're just it- like, if they were all there, right, they could have stopped this from happening. Because in the first one, he was trying to imply that also, but it didn't read at all. But in this no, one, not at all. because of the way that they'd set those stakes and they'd shown visually, they'd, they'd created the strength. By the time you see them coming over the hill and he was close to losing, he realizes, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. And we as a viewer were like, yeah, he, he could have lost here. Like in this moment, if they were all here, if... Yeah, so th- it, it makes it just made the scene way better. And I think also for this being right at the beginning, how they changed this scene in the first one, I was like, oh, I'm here. Let's go. Like, I'm yeah. into this. Like, <laughs> fuck, they made this scene work really well. Okay, let's make it happen. Okay. And then they also, like, used the arrow of Artemis to light that fire. And then there was, oh, yeah. like, this whole, like, Artemis temple that like why would you take that whole scene out where that literally explains the plot and how Diana knows what's happening like to me that was really great storytelling and really great story building and then that set the scene for her telling the rest of the Justice League I keep trying to say Avengers whoops Uh, the Uh rest of the Justice League like what was what was happening right that makes so much more sense (laughs) see to me 
so on a personal note, I thought like it was necessary, obviously for exposition. We need to know why she is the one with the knowledge and why she's telling them. Cool. We know that. Great. Um, it was to me when I saw that I was like, "Oh, here comes the exposition." It was just yeah. like, it was a oh, little sure. it was a little too clunky. But to be fully fair, way way better than Batman hitting a bug against the wall and then seeing <laughs> the outline and being like, "I think I know what this means. I should go north." And you're like, "Do you know what this means? Are you sure? What like?" And that's and that's the thing. One is like over explaining and being like you need to know these things whereas this other one is like i don't know and i'm also not confident that you know Mm -hmm. so this is scene one i don't think i'm on board yet like i (sighs) (laughs) you need to give me something more a little bit (laughs) yeah and then like this one like you said it did over explain a little bit but i liked that i got information so then I also like that she used that and went to Bruce and was like, hey, we need to find a team. It wasn't just Bruce in this one. It wasn't just Batman. Fuck Batman, you know? So, like, I liked that even from that standpoint, it started off as a team rather than, like, hey, you want to join my secret club? Yeah. (laughs) No, truly. It's, it's, we're forming a group now, not like, I'm a lone, lone wolf with money and I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. Ugh, and it's, it's fucking fuck Batman. Batman sucks. Ben Affleck as Batman sucks. <laughs> I just, it's he's so bad. Ugh, it's so he's so annoying. Ugh, he was so annoying in this movie. But yes, I do agree. More information, especially in a movie like this, where like you need to know what's happening. Like, where's the first one? So much is left out, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. What the fuck? I'd rather have this than Ben Affleck in the gooey square. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also, the fight sequences in this one were way better. Yeah. Like, I'm not much of a, like, a pro-gore, like, I need more blood and gore, but, like, it worked better for me. Like, the whole sequence of Stefan Wolf getting killed, I was like, this is great. Like, you're showing me exactly how strong you are, this incredibly strong character who was about to destroy the Earth, and then Superman shows up, and they're just, like, throwing him around like a fucking birdie in badminton. Like, boom. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. And then it's like his horn gets cut off and then he gets impaled and thrown and then she like cuts off his head and you're like, oh my God, that's crazy. Crazy. It was good. <laughs> I was, I mean, I, I liked that. And then the head flies through the portal and Darkseid's like, I'll get to you meddling kids. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't seen the last of me sort of thing. Even just having Darkseid there to me made so much more sense and yeah. like, made me enjoy the movie rather than just going what the fuck like it seemed cohesive and also the fact that it was broken up into parts too like and i know that this is how you watched it i i powered through the whole thing i did have to stop a couple times because it's it feels like a long movie i mean it's four hours (laughs) it's a long movie (laughs) okay i did i i did make it through all of the extended versions of lord of the rings so i'm good for four hours but this movie does like because while the pacing, like and um, and the plot and the storyline and everything feel better, it does feel long, and so like yeah. having it broken up into these different pieces, like it's like okay, cool, this is where I can pause and do something, you know? Yeah, I think for me, just treating it like a miniseries, where it's like okay, each episode's an hour, I can break it into four. I'm gonna watch the first two together because I'm enjoying myself. It felt great. I like that it's broken up into parts, so you can stop and watch as much as you need to and then go take a break and come back like it feels more like a show like it's built 
more like a show than a movie. Um, I mean, but that is also to say, like we'd said earlier, yes, this movie is better than the first one. I mean, granted, if this had been two hours, it would have been bad. It would have, there's no, there. it would have been bad for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. You know, and with that being said, I mean, do I think it's a good movie by comparison? Oh, it's a great movie by comparison. As a standalone, if I were to watch it again out of the context of having seen the first one so recently beforehand, I don't know if I would say the same thing. I want, because I'm, I'm wondering, like, would all of that information feel incredibly clunky? Because, I mean, obviously after seeing the first one, there was sort of a, a desperate thirst for information, right? There was, there was this, like, yearning, like, okay, I need something. I need guidance. I need exposition. I need Within I need the film, anything. not after the fact. Like, let's be no, clear. No, I didn't give a yes. shit after I turned that movie off. I didn't off. give a shit after the fact. In the moment, during the story... I need more than whatever the fuck is happening here. So then getting this surplus of information and exposition and backstory and and context, it satiated what I was missing from the first one. So that good feeling amplified my viewing of it, right? So if I were to go back and watch it without having just had that, I wonder if this movie would be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I think it, it did a lot of things right. I would watch a cyborg standalone. Absolutely. Um, I don't give a shit about Batman, Wonder Woman, fine, Aquaman, whatever. <laughs> uh, Flash, I'd watch a Flash thing. Sure. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like Joss Whedon wanted the first one, wanted his cut to be the action sci fi buddy cop movie comedy thing. And yeah. Snyder wanted this to be. A drama. He wanted this to have weight because, like, I mean, I know I've said it a couple times, but like, grief is its own character in this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think to me, that was really, really interesting. And I thought, like, there's just a lot of my notes were like, this is a much better way to do this. This is so great to do. Like, this is a, yeah. this is a much better way to do this. Again, like, in the context of watching the first, watching the 2017 release first. And I feel like if anything else, like if you are really interested in wanting to know how drastically editing and score and choices, like how how those kinds of plot and narrative choices can affect a film or drastically change something within a film, absolutely watch both of them because oh, yeah. that to me is really fascinating. Um but as just a movie in itself, if we weren't critiquing this, I would just be like, yeah, whatever. Do you want to talk about the end sequence, the three hours of fucking oh God. cut or like teaser scenes for the DCU or whatever? All my notes are in all caps and most of it is what the fuck. It's so <laughs> like, and, and maybe, and maybe as people who aren't super well versed in this uh, general IP, both in comics and just in theatrical releases and all that stuff. They were so fucking silly. Like, I'm so sorry. They were bad and silly and just like, what? Like, first of all, uh, is it Jesse Eisenberg? Lux Luthor, the actor who plays Lux Luthor, hated it. I I, I don't think I saw the last Batman where he was in it um, the most, but it's just so boring. And then, like, what is it? Uh, Deathstroke, I think, is that character. And it was like, cool, great. Like, I just, I don't care about this. And then... 
the Joker shit where it's like a different universe where they didn't win and Superman's bad and now it's like this ragtag team of other soldiers and including Deathstroke and the Right? And it's all because of Lois. I'm, I'm like, like, what the fuck is this? And then it's like the Joker, like, fucking fuck him so much. I feel like um, that t- oh. 30 minutes of extra content is what made the film feel way too long for me. I think yeah. that that should have been, like, the Lex Luthor thing, cool. You could have had that as, like, you know, the post-credits things, right? Cool. Do that. Yeah. And then that whole alternate timeline thing. You should have released that as like as like a YouTube video by itself, you know, like as like some sort of a teaser. Like I I I like it when people come out with like content in between because it's just something that enhances and gets me excited for other things that are coming and I feel like just tagging it on to the end of this and maybe it's just because Snyder has said that he's walked away and he's not doing anything else anymore with yeah. uh, DC after this. But so maybe he was like trying to shoehorn it in there. But I feel like that would have been better after the fact or like as a special feature on like the Blu-ray or whatever. Right. No, 100 percent. I mean, again, they were so disjointed. They did not make sense. They were just teaser trailers for upcoming narratives that he had had planned. And again, it's probably because he's stepping away. Obviously, Justice League 2 and 3 are not going to be happening. And that makes sense. But just as standalone pieces of like this universe i still just like i couldn't give less of a shit about deathstroke i couldn't like i was so mad when the joker showed up and like that was like supposed to be a big thing because i i hate what is that actor's name jared leto Jared Leto. jared leto I hate Jared Leto so much. I also think he is an abusive cult leader because uh, he does have a cult, um, a 30 Seconds to Mars cult. <laughs> if you didn't know, uh, it is. Does he? He does. Yeah. Um, oh, it's no. Like supposed, it's supposed to be like a fan club type deal getaway where he like invites all of these fans to this island um, and he performs sermons. That's 30 Seconds to Mars plays gross. a little bit, but- they like everybody has to wear white. It's fucking weird. It's toxic. This is disgusting. Yeah, he is. It, I'm I'm a little bit ignorant to a lot of the more like I, to to a lot of what they do, but on the surface, from what I've read, it is a cult. It is messy. He sucks. Also, he's this abusive piece of shit. Didn't he for uh, Suicide Squad send one of his co-stars a used condom? in a box oh yeah and like dead animals and shit yeah yeah because he's like method like no you're just an abusive piece of shit go fuck yourself and so fuck him um i did not want to see him in this i didn't care about his performance in my head he's also he's just doing what joaquin phoenix did but worse because like he'd done his whole joker (laughs) bit but in this in this scene he's trying to now do a more heath ledger approach and i'm like pick a lane like you can't abandon the character you made you're so good and it's you're such a great actor like fuck off jared leto how many jokers do we fucking need like how many jokers in the past like 15 years have like it's it's got to be at least four but here's the fun thing uh men love it (laughs) so they're gonna keep making them it's just such a it's the same the same idea of like men who don't know how to communicate their issues and don't know how like it's just toxic and men who gravitate towards that idea it's just like i mean you face so little anything in your life because the system is largely made for you and obviously largely white men cis white men and 
I'm just so misunderstood. You just don't get me. And like the world's fucked up. It's like, I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ. I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm rambling. So I'm just going to move past it. Um, (laughs) Fuck the Joker. The level of struggle that cis white men face (sighs) is the baseline of struggle that every, everybody in the world faces. Yeah. It's too much. When you like compound that with, being a woman or being gay or being but that's also any, something, any sort of thing you know that's a, something too that like i think needs to be addressed more just in general like with queerness or queer cis white men or like even more like gay cis white men i feel like a lot of them will sort of negate the fact that they are indeed cis white men and like their queerness mm-hmm. or their gayness is like oh well not me it's like no <laughs> sweetie you're a part of the problem i mean in the same way that me like as a queer cis white man i have to address those things and understand that like the system is built for somebody who looks like me i have had more opportunity than so many other people there is that privilege there is this thing and i just within the queer community or within the gay community specifically there is a level of a uh, complete lack of introspection or a complete lack of um, acknowledgement of privilege because of the caveat of, of, of gay as sort of a misdirect against the mm-hmm. understanding that like, no, you're still a cis white person, <laughs> a cis white man in a patriarchal yeah. white supremacy. So chill it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 100%. I digress. <laughs> what was I saying? I feel like I'm so rambly right now. Um, oh my gosh, that's the end of the movie, right? I think that's it. Yeah, I just what a what a difference. I don't even know. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about this? No, I'm okay. good with this. I'm good with okay. this too. So we watched Justice League 2017, and then Justice League colon The Snyder Cut 2021. The same movie, but couldn't be more different. Eric, what did you think of the first film? Who was it for? Honestly, I'm gonna just say nobody. It's for nobody. It did nobody justice. There was it did it deserve. I just I have no quip. It's not a good movie. It's so clunky. It's poorly written poorly directed i just it's not good it's for nobody i'm saying nobody i'm gonna say that it was the film incarnate of the anti-life equation because it was awful (laughs) exactly did you like it no i did not uh big capital n-o exclamation point oh my goodness um jess did you like it oh my gosh no oh my gosh no yeah oh my god you no (laughs) it's gonna be a hard hard pass not even like a no with a heart at the end just like a no with not even an exclamation point like there is no there's no capitals it's one of those sentences where everything is just lowercase with a period at the end no period it's a trash film it's everything it's it's everything i expect like oh my god i don't even yeah it's bad i don't like it (laughs) okay let's flash forward get it see what i did there (laughs) Ooh. okay anyways i was gonna try to make some pun about like the flash running so fast that he made the first movie not happen never mind i had something and i lost it (laughs) but the Snyder Cut, was it new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? How has the story evolved with today's ideals four so, years later? 
Yeah, I know, right? Um, so it was new and interesting, 100%, because it was also, I think the most interesting part is, like we've said this whole time, is like a side-by-side comparison of the same scene with a different context. Different music, different editing, different directing, like, or maybe not even different directing, but like just using the same footage in a different way. I thought it was new and interesting, yeah. I thought it, it did what the first one couldn't. I don't think it changed with any ideals necessarily. I think it was largely the same, but just elaborated, like an, an elaborate version of that thing. Um, I guess a little bit progressive where it wasn't, Wonder Woman wasn't just some sex object. That's nice. <laughs> That's progress to some degree. Yeah, I guess progressive, kind of. I think it was new, and I think it was interesting because of the ways that it was the same and yeah. different. Because it was the same story, just retold in a better, more thoughtful, more kind way, I guess. Um, but no, so like the, usually like that's an or in, in our statements here, or our questions. But like it was all three of those. It was new, interesting, and the same. But it was because of the context that we get in this movie because of the two extra hours of content. It was all of those things at the same time. I think it was more progressive because Wonder Woman wasn't a sex object. Um, I think progressive also in the way that it showed grief and in the way that it just kind of like let that hang because clearly um, superhero movies struggle with that. Or DC, the DC... Uh, DCU? No. I don't know. Yeah, DCU. <laughs> <laughs> DCCU. Um they clearly they've struggled with that and like in the context of like a normal action superhero kind of thing whatever like you know it's hard to do that um endgame did it and did it pretty good i think but whatever yeah but yeah so i don't i don't know if it's evolved with today's ideals more than it was just more thoughtful about what it was trying to say agreed yeah um who do you think this was for I, I mean, it, it's for DC fans. It's it's literally for the fan, the fandom who clamored this thing into existence <laughs> on the Reddit, on the subreddits, <laughs> and the internet at large. The call to action, Snyder cut, release the tapes. Um, it's for the fandom. It's like quite literally, it's for the fandom. I think. Who do you think this was for? I agree, and I'm also going to add. A, I, I'm going to do a yes and here. Um, and it was for Zack Snyder. I mean, like having yeah. like he had so many plans for Justice League to like be three movies to do this whole thing, you know, um, and to be in the middle of that and have like just the worst thing that you can imagine happen and have all like your entire life fall around you like yeah to be able to like literally reclaim that in this sort of way i think this was absolutely for him making the movie that he wanted to make and maybe being more more cognizant about the movie that he wanted to make and also like knowing that people wanted him to tell that story too like yeah i mean if i were him and people were just like we want you to tell your story the way that you want to like i'd be like oh my god like you know and that would be something that would kind of get me through this horrible thing that had happened and also allow like because grief is such a big thing in this film allow me to process my own grief yeah in multiple Completely. ways you know especially like recognize it? especially recognizing at the end the usage of grief like, I mean, 
Um, I liked it. Yeah, in and again, I feel like context is like the word of the episode for me. But truly, 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 contextually, in comparison, I liked this movie. But who knows if I would like it on its own as a standalone. Who knows? But yes, in this context, I like this movie. What do you think? Do you like this movie? I also like this movie and and contextually, I'm going to say it too. Contextually, I like this film. I'm still kind of in shock that I did. And maybe that will all kind of wear off once I like, you know, just just because 2017 was such utter garbage that like, you know, anything next to that is going to be like Oscar worthy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but, yeah, no, I, I did like it. Will I watch it again? No, I don't think I need to. Um, <laughs> but um, but I like that it exists, and I like that it wasn't another pile of trash. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm happy it exists. I'm happy it's there for people who wanted it. Um, yeah, and I'm happy that it, it wasn't shit. <laughs> like, it was a well told story. Cool, on board. Cool. I think that's it. Wow, we awesome. got through it. I am so impressed. I was so nervous about this episode just in the context of like this big i felt like this was such a big movie to talk about and we did it look at us did okay so when i texted you with the idea of doing this like i know that you said yeah absolutely were you secretly just like oh my god no (laughs) i was hesitant because i and full transparency could not have given less of a shit before watching these movies <laughs> um but but to that sake that's not to say that i'm i'm afraid of new things and i'm happy that i watched them because again even if i think one of them is bad or it's not great or it's not for me i'm still happy i watched them and was able to like acknowledge them to some degree i still had fun i had unexpected fun and i'm happy we did it Same. for the pot especially knowing that like a lot of this ip is is really important for a lot of people and there is a level of me that it was nervous just in general because i'm so far away from this and have no emotional ties to any of these things characters or universe i you know what i mean <laughs> um so for that reason, there was definitely a level I was like, oh, oh, my God, I don't. What do I have to say about the Snyder Cut? I was like, I wasn't calling for it. <laughs> that wasn't me. But again, that's not to say that because you don't want it doesn't mean you can't critique it or can't acknowledge it or can't talk about it. So I'm I'm happy we did it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please uh, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it really does help other people find our pod and yeah thank you uh subscribe to our patreon we are first of all we're so cute and we're so fun and you want more of us we know that um but we have some cool prizes and stuff i mean granted given the hordes of fans who have already subscribed to our patreon you could be next and with that we have a whole other show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast called The Not Nostalgia Podcast. We kind of break down what we're watching, listening to, thinking about over the week. And I really, it's like, I mean, this show's pretty relaxed, but it's an even more relaxed, just gab conversation about general shit where, that we tear apart, want to discuss. Um, and it's a good show. And you'll have access to all those episodes when you subscribe. So hit us up. Or yeah. you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all of those places. Yeah. Or check us out on the nostalgia network.com. Oh, hell yeah. We Our, have a website and it's tight. 
We made a network. Check it out. Um, yeah, go check out all <laughs> our shows. Uh, we got a blog. It's so cute. Uh, it's a great website. Go spend time on there. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for listening. Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre, editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. Always a pleasure. <laughs> I'm happy we did it, even though it was scary. I know. <laughs> and remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, Show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls! What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number four, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.